The other thing is with a 21st century business, and this is especially goes with an online business, is there's three main components that I see. One of them's great content, a good community, and a good commerce strategy. So it's my three C's. This is Chris Reynolds and welcome to the Entrepreneur House podcast. The Entrepreneur House is a business accelerator for six and seven figure entrepreneurs creating events and retreats all over the world. Picture yourself spending four weeks with other high level entrepreneurs in the northern mountains of Thailand this coming October and November 2017. It will be full of masterminds, workshops, advisors, like-minded entrepreneurs, and of course, some fun adventure. If you're ready to take your business to the next level with other successful entrepreneurs, be sure to Apply at theentrepreneurhouse.com. And now, on to today's episode. Listeners, today we are joined by a serial entrepreneur that has built multiple seven-figure location independent businesses. Stephen Petith calls in from Hong Kong to join us on the show today. Stephen is a co-founder of Global Private Partners and Sovereign Capitalist. Together, they are working to transform the way business models operate in the world. Today on the show, Stephen and I talk about why he loves Hong Kong from a business perspective, the important differences between employees, self-employed small business owners, true business owners, and investors. He dives into the differences between each one of these stages and the importance of understanding each stage and growing to the next level. We also chat about the mindset of being location independent and learning to transform your business model. It's an incredible episode, guys. And without further ado, let's welcome Stephen to the show. Welcome, Stephen, to the podcast. How are you today? Very good, Chris. Very good. It's great to be here. Yeah. And I hear you're reporting from Hong Kong today. Is that right? Yes, beautiful city here. It's middle of summer, and uh, it's one of the great little places to be this time of year. Why do you pick Hong Kong? Well, I'm a business refugee, so um, Hong Kong for me started out as a business location, and and now I've um, it's grown into my base. Uh, most of my companies are based out of here, but I also work out of uh, Malta and Panama as well during the year. And but you're originally from Australia, correct? Yeah, originally from Australia. I grew up in Australia. Spent some time in the Australian Navy and. Uh, I've, I've now spent more time outside of Australia than I have in it. Okay, very nice. And do you buy an actual home in Hong Kong and, and live there, or do you rent apartments when you're in Hong Kong, or how's that work? When I'm in Hong Kong, personally, I'm I live in hotels. Okay, uh, I just find it uh, cheaper and, and more convenient to live in hotels. But I do own property uh, here in Hong Kong and other places around Asia. Uh-huh. But uh, I just can't see the point in buying a home and living in it. Um, it's not making me money. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I think that's the sentiment for a lot of entrepreneurs like us. You know, we're really location independent. And we were talking before the show started to record. And people ask you where you're from. And the best answer you had was planet Earth. Yeah. And I feel like that sometimes, too. Like, it's a hard question, right? Because we're not really from where we grew up anymore. And <laughs> we don't have an actual home base where we spend the majority of the year or maybe, you know, 12, 10 months out of the year. And we're kind of like right now I'm living here, but three months down the line, I may be living somewhere else. So I think it's a problem, not a problem, but, you know, a challenge for the new world and and, and the new models of business. And I'd love to talk to you more about that as we get into the show further. But let's start about you, Stephen, and how you got your start as an entrepreneur growing into location independent seven figure entrepreneur that you are today. Yeah, I joined the, the Australian Navy when I was uh, 15 and um, did an apprenticeship, sailed the seven seas, did that for uh, near, near on 10 years. Coming out of the Navy and having seen basically all over the world, I just knew, oh, 
Uh, there's more more to the more to the place than than Australia. So I was really intrigued. Spent a lot of time up here in Asia. Once I left the Navy, I joined the family business and started working with the old man in in uh, the hardware business that he had. Mm-hmm. And uh, moved to Hong Kong to establish the manufacturing and sourcing operations. And uh, then over time, we built factories on the mainland and sourcing operations in Thailand and uh, Taiwan and Japan and then further afield, Argentina, Brazil, India, and built uh, a hardware manufacturing and distribution, wholesale distribution business, um, one of the most boring businesses in the world, (laughs) but it was very profitable and, and, and and a nice business to be in. I've had several businesses outside of, of that as well, and, and some haven't gone as well as others, and but, but some have been very well. And when I was sitting here in Hong Kong, I got talking to people, and, and they're all like, oh, yeah, Hong Kong's a great city, but, you know, we, we dart off to, to Thailand for a weekend or we dart off to here. And, and that started getting me thinking. I was like, well, do we really need to be anywhere? Mm-hmm. And especially when I sold the business, and then I started doing other bits and pieces around and then ultimately forming global private partners with another guy murray my partner in it which is now a private equity firm and we own several businesses underneath it sort of diverse in where they're located so well i don't need to be anywhere i i can you know stay at a hotel here or i can grab an airbnb there or uh, i can just duck off somewhere when i need to be um uh, one of the things that the navy taught me was i've got two big duffel bags and that's my whole life is (laughs) duffel bags yeah and the other day I moved hotels. Uh, I moved from Macau back to, to Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. And um, I was just going through everything over there and went, well, you know what? doesn't fit in the two duffel bags. Obviously, I don't need it. So that's sort of the, the quick background and the quick story on, on how I got to here. So I think the first question that came up for me, Stephen, is I think a lot of people are concerned with this lifestyle that you'll have a lack of community or a lack of connection with other people if we're bouncing around so much like this. And I'm curious, because it seems like you've been doing this quite a while now, how do you stay connected or do you feel like you're a part of a community while bouncing around all over the globe? In the beginning, it was it was a bit harder because we didn't have um, the social media uh, mm-hmm. platforms that we've got today. But I just made sure I took time out to, to go visit people. And, and I always made it my point to go visit people. If I wanted to go and, and see, you know, uncles, aunties or whatever it was, I went to them. Uh, most of the time, though, they ended up coming and seeing me, especially family when they said, oh, you know, I'm spending two months in Malta. Mm-hmm. And uh, the next thing you've got, you've got a house guest for a week. <laughs> but being part of other stuff is it's basically you've got to make the time. And I've had no trouble keeping connected and especially now that we have facebook and linkedin and and all the rest of the the networks that are out there you can still communicate and find out what's going on with with people and i tend to only have a fairly small direct network i've got a fairly large um business or associate network but my true core group is probably only five to ten people mm-hmm. uh, and we keep um we keep in constant contact but once again it's make the effort um, you can't just sit back and, and think that everything's going to happen on, on Facebook or, or on LinkedIn. Make the effort to call someone or, or definitely make the effort to go visit. Um, that's what I like about this lifestyle is I can just turn around tomorrow and go, you know what, I haven't seen the snow for a while. I'm going to go and see some friends in Zurich. You know, I haven't done something. It allows me to, to go and visit other people because people with nine to five jobs, they're the, they're the ones that 
I find that aren't part of a community or aren't part of something. They they sort of get into their own little world and and they see Bob at the office and then maybe Mary at the weekend, but they don't have that greater global community. Yeah. Um, where, you know, you've got friends in Costa Rica or you've got friends in the US or you've got friends in wherever it is. Uh, that's the, I, I find I'm more connected now probably than when I was, you know, back in the Navy days when it was only five or six guys and you sort of hung around every day. Yeah, I agree. And I think, too, a lot of, of those folks that are in the nine to fives, if they are part of a community, a lot of times it's not by their choice. You know, the communities they have are not the, the communities they really wish to be a part of, but um, their communities based on what their work is telling them to be a part of. So it's a great point. Yeah. So so let's talk more about Global Private Partners. Tell us about the business and how it got started and kind of the things that you guys are up to today. So um, after we sold the hardware business and uh, moved on, I, I was actually looking for something to do. Uh, I went and dabbled in politics uh, for a while and, and helped some politicians get elected and, and found that utterly boring. <laughs> um, le- left that field and then uh, I, I met my current business partner now and I, I've got a great knowledge in offshore structuring. That was my sort of key was the market entry, the offshore structuring, the looking at, at how to to best make yourself capital efficient mm-hmm. and, and best use our capital and, and manufacturing resources, which was my thing. So I got together with Murray and we formed Global Private Partners more as an advisory service um, than it was a, a private equity firm in those days. Now, uh, over the years, we've matured and gone, well, you know, what we really like doing is buying businesses off people or uh, finding three businesses that people have got and merging them together and putting a bit of capital to them. I've actually just finished a board meeting earlier today with one of my investment partners. And one of the outcomes that come out of there is he turned around to me and he said, well, you guys actually don't just put capital in. He said, what you guys really do is you bring talent, intelligence and dedicated outcomes Mm -hmm. uh, to companies. And I'd never saw it in that light because for me, you can always find money. The right opportunity, there's plenty of money for. And the right circles, you can always get plenty of money for. But it's the talent and the intelligence to make a business grow that is the hard parts. And, and that's where we seem to excel at. And it really suits my lifestyle. The other part of, of why I wanted to move into where we are now is I really started to read books like Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad and the the four-hour work week and all these sort of stuff, stuff you do when you're when you've got nothing to do <laughs> and um the cash flow quadrant really stuck with me and and I, I looked at that and it just hit me the eye that have to be the investor and and creating multiple streams of income and and i've taken that one further now i look at it as well i don't want to run the companies i just want to advise them and direct them and coach them and pull different things together and like, like be the chief strategic officer of them and so I look at it as multiple teams of income. So mm-hmm. uh, as you know, business is a team sport. And um, the better team we've got, the better company we've got, and the more we can grow. And especially when we're starting to talk about seven and eight-figure businesses, um, it's definitely no longer a, a solo person. And for the listeners, Stephen, can you describe the cash flow quadrant a little bit more in detail and the importance of moving to that I quadrant? Oh, for sure. So if you basically just draw a T on the board and then you've got employee, self-employed, business owner, and then investor. So the I stands for investor. 
So as an employee, that's your nine to five job, nine to five worker job. It, and if you, the listeners out there don't know what job stands for, it's just over broke. <laughs> basically, you are just going to make a living. Self-employed is basically you've bought yourself a job. I, I'm not a big fan of self-employed positions. Self-employed need to move to the business side of the equation as soon as they can because basically a, a self-employed person, you're still trading time for money. Mm-hmm. You're still you, you're still in that, that position where um, you've only got X amount of hours in a day, so you're limiting your income. As soon as you move to the B quadrant and then ultimately the I quadrant, the B quadrant allows you then to have money work for you and it allows you to leverage your business so you can grow and then create a team and a really good team at that. And and don't be afraid to get rid of people as you go on and building your team. It's it's like a baseball team. At the end of the season, you cut people and you bring new, new staff members in. Ultimately, though, you want to move to where I'm currently sitting and, and building. And, and meanwhile, we're, we're starting at the bottom of the heap. And in each one of these, you sort of spiral up to your, your level of competence and then you, you start from the bottom again and spiral up and then so on and so on. And at the moment, we're only two years into um, GPP as, a, as moving more towards a private equity firm. So we're now spiraling this business up again to, to get to, to the height of it. And then we'll go and do listed trusts and, and all that sort of stuff ultimately. So as an investor, you are now, um, your money's working for you and you, you, you're just working off dividend streams, which totally changes your, your taxable outlook as well and, and how you get treated um, by different people around the world. All of a sudden, especially when you get to a certain stage, uh, governments start talking to you about wanting you to find something to invest into their locale, which is which is starting to happen to us on a couple of projects now along um, along the Silk Road, where we're talking to people in in Turkmenistan and, and Kazakhstan for a couple of projects. So that's sort of it in a nutshell. Yeah, that was great. Thank you. Are you enjoying today's episode? I hope so. We're working hard to pick the minds of higher level entrepreneurs to bring you some applicable tactics for your business. October 26th through November 24th, we will have our most impactful event ever. Four weeks in the northern mountains of Thailand with other successful entrepreneurs that have six and seven figures in annual revenue in their businesses. The experience includes private accommodations, workshops, masterminds, advisors, high-speed Wi-Fi at a beautiful resort complex. And for our listeners, we have a special $400 early bird discount for only 10 people. Once they're filled, they're gone. So if you're ready to seriously take your business to the next level, contact us at theentrepreneurhouse.com. And now back to the show. When you started in business, I know you started working in a family business. Were you in the S quadrant or the business quadrant when you started out with them? Well, I moved from um, being an employee from being in the Navy so basically being an employee under dad and then eventually i got my own sector of the business so i probably moved into a semi s semi b area and it wasn't until i took over um one of the businesses in in the company sphere which was the manufacturing enterprise based out of hong kong that i actually moved into the business where i could make the decisions as the business owner right so that actually took so i actually spiraled even though i was inside the family organization i I still sort of spiraled up through the organization. As I like to say, I, I went from sweeping the floor to being the general manager um, <laughs> for a period of a couple of years. So, it's yeah. good, good transition. 
So you mentioned something on your website, Stephen, I wanted to ask you about it. You talk about business structures moving from the old model to new models, and that kind of goes hand in hand with, you know, the way we live our lives being location independent. So I'm curious if you could elaborate a little bit more for the audience on the what the old models are and then what the ideal new models are and the transition between those. Yeah, so if you have a look at basically pre-2007, the GFC, the old models of the world were companies were isolated a lot. Um, there was big talk around globalization on all this, but that was really for the upper end. It was really for the large multinational corporations. It wasn't 100% open to smaller businesses. Come the GFC and the whole world sort of changed and globalization, and, and I'm actually not a big fan of that word, but going beyond borders and seeking a global view for your business is now available. So back when you had a small, say a butcher, a butcher shop, and you were basically serving a small community, probably within 20 kilometers of your business, that is what I call an old world model. Now that same butcher shop with internet marketing, thinking strategically uh, around the world, becoming a bit niche. So, so if you had a butcher shop and you're the number one sausage maker uh, that you can be, well, you can sell those sausages all around the world. And with the technology and the logistics these days, that's 100% possible. So being involved in the 21st century economy is basically doing away with borders. So it's going beyond borders. And borders can be a town boundary, can be a state boundary, can be a country. So it's not necessarily always international. The first step is to look beyond your current 20 kilometer radius. How can I create a new market? How can I create a new following? The other thing is with a 21st century business, and this especially goes with an online business, is there's three main components that I see. One of them's great content, a good community, and a good commerce strategy. So it's my three C's. Mm -hmm. So people now want to be part of a community. Um, so, you know, sausage lovers want to, want to know how sausages are made. They want to know different types of sausages. They want to know other people's recipes. They want to know what seasonings and the best skins and all the other bits and pieces. So that's where the commerce comes in. So you can then sell your community some, some product. So transitioning from where you only just had the walk-in trade to actually creating a tribe or a community of people that are now hunting down your product is where we're looking to go. It can be basically, there's not a business yet that I've come across where we haven't been able to create an internationalization plan to take advantage of the new world economy. And, and what kind of clients generally come to you guys? Okay, so on our on our consulting side, at mm-hmm. the moment we're doing a lot of um, Amazon, uh, Shopify type clients because they seem to be the, the current wave. Right. Um, if you want to know, it's, it's that... Um, buy a widget here in China, sell it on Amazon or, or sell it through Facebook or wherever. So we're working with people on doing that. Uh, we've, we've, one of our investments is a uh, managed services business that basically does end-to-end. So the, the logistics to the product, to the marketing of the product, the daily running uh, of your Amazon store, your Shopify store, your uh, e-commerce platform, uh, whatever. And we, we see that as a very key key part of our growth going forward. Is, is the services industry and, and being able to support people that come to us for, for other other bits and pieces. So someone that sets up a company in Hong Kong uh, to buy widgets in China, uh, we can support their entire life cycle of, of their business. 
Now, you also run a community called Sovereign Capitalist at yep. uh, SovereignCapitalist.com. Can you tell us about uh, the community and some of the things you guys have going on? Yeah, so the Sovereign Capitalist community is a it's a very small community at this stage. We're, we're really just testing the waters. It's, it's a core group of us. There's, um, there's nine of us at the moment, and we are going to be um, expanding this a lot more. But basically, it's people that are in that have four or five companies. So we're all investors. We're all looking to invest together. We're all looking to go to San Sebastian uh, for weekends and enjoy food. So it's um it's about being a sovereign person. So someone who's not stuck to one nation. We're all multiple passport holders. We're all global citizens. Uh, plus, we're all capitalists. We all believe in the the capitalist structure. But we also believe in giving back and creating opportunities that aren't necessarily av- available if you're not looking outside and don't have a network of people that uh, that can look at stuff. So it's a um, it's a community. It's a, a niche starting startup community, and uh, yeah, we're looking for for new members all the time. What are some of the? Do you have requirements to join a community? Um, the the main one is, as I said before, you've sort of got to have three to four. Uh, seven-figure businesses that you're uh, a major investor in or uh, on the verge of structuring that type of thing. You've got to be um, a, at least a global citizen, as in you you live the lifestyle that we're leaving and are very much willing to travel to where our meetings are held. So our meetings are, are held randomly around the world. It could be three three months sort of notice where the, the meeting's going to be. There's two a year. The last one was uh, on a super yacht in the Caribbean, uh, and the coming one will be in in Africa. So it's that type of stuff. So very flexible, and we will vet people. So you come along to one of the first meetings, and uh, if we don't like it, we just won't invite you back. It's <laughs> a good way. Yeah. All right, excellent, Stephen. Is there any other tidbits that you want to share about your business or about business in general with the listeners before we sign off today? One of the big things is just do it, the Nike slogan, act. Mm-hmm. Don't be, don't be afraid of failure. Um, I was 21, a million dollars in debt, blew up my first business and then built, got my way out of it. It's don't be afraid of failure. We, we seem to be taught, especially in places like Australia and, and, and the UK and that, uh, taught a lot to um, that failure is bad. Failure is not. It's, it's actually one of the most, building, most stable building blocks of, of any society. You need to be able to fail to move forward. So that's the biggest one I'd say is don't be afraid of failure surround yourself with people that are smarter than you. If you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. I forever am trying to find um, mentors and mentor people. So uh, that's one of the things that uh, I also um, to work. It goes back to the business as a team sport attitude. Now, this is great. I, I want to ask you one more question before we sign off, Stephen, because yeah. I think a lot of entrepreneurs starting out, you know, their advice to, to get – mentors and even you know five years ten years down the line but here you're seasoned for quite a few years and you have multiple seven-figure businesses that you've been involved in and you're still looking for mentors so I'm curious like at your level what are some of the ways that you find mentors or continue to surround yourself and look for other mentors I join a lot of clubs and especially business networking clubs, and then I just find people that I naturally want to um, work with, and and that some of the mentors now have that that I've been associated with uh, 
have been paid. So like a weekend away uh, with with a certain CEO of a certain company or something like that. Mm-hmm. But it's a lot of the times people who have been very successful in business, they just want to want they want to tell you how they did it. Right. And they're just waiting for someone to ask. We all know successful people in our own local communities. It, they don't have to be in your same industry. And I actually look for people that aren't in my industry because it can give a third-party party perspective on the problem you've got. At the end of the day, business all boils down to a bunch of problems, and most of those problems are, un- are not unique to any one, uh, one business. Everyone has the same same sort of problems. So um, having someone that's in a totally separate industry to you that can mentor you or even you mentoring someone but just having someone to sound stuff back on is is just as valuable. So, yeah, clubs, y- you find someone, just write to them. Murray, my business partner, has done that and, and so are a couple of other people I know and, and I, I, I was dumbfounded that these people just wrote back and, and said, here's my number, give me a call. <laughs> so yeah, that, there's there's lots of ways, but um, the thing is, ask. Yeah, definitely. Okay, yeah. great tips, my friend Stephen. I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for sharing your wisdom and your tips and all your tricks with us. We really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Not a problem. Great to be here. And listeners, we're going to sign off there for today. Thank you guys for joining us once again, and we'll see you all on the next episode. Goodbye, everybody. The Entrepreneur House is a business accelerator for six and seven figure entrepreneurs. Imagine spending an extended period of time with other successful entrepreneurs working together and growing your business. Day to day, you interact with other driven and smart business people. Spending an extended period of time around them alters your business and your mentality around business. Goals are set, business grows, new partnerships develop, greater profit margins are achieved, the productivity skyrockets for attendees, and you get to have an incredible adventure while doing it. This year, our main event will be held in Chiang Mai, Thailand. It is four weeks from October 26th to November 24th and held for six and seven figure entrepreneurs only. It will be full of workshops, masterminds, advisors, co-working, and fun weekend social events. Be sure to check out the details at theentrepreneurhouse.com as soon as possible. This event will fill up fast. For those of you that are interested and have some questions, be sure to contact us through theentrepreneurhouse.com forward slash contact. We will respond as soon as possible. For now, saludos from somewhere in the world.